We'd like to um, get started here in our time in the Word this morning. And um, uh, along with our, our message for this morning, I wanted to let you know that we have uh, agreements to fellowship in the foyer on the main table. Now, many of you attended our class on membership, and um, maybe you took one of these and filled it out, and, uh, you, you know, just bring it in or mail it into the church if you want, bring it, uh, give it to us, uh, you know, afterwards. Um, some of you have already signed the agreement to fellowship, and you don't need to sign a new one, but here's, uh, it's out on the table, and then what we'd like to do is just this Sunday and the next Sunday and the following Sunday, three Sundays here, we'd like to talk about what a good, strong member is like. What's a, what's a member like? Because um, really, when we get down to thinking about it, um, what makes a church, any church, what makes a church a strong church? We say, well, the Lord and His Word. Well, good. That's really great, but we still have to make a connection. And somehow it comes down to you and I as members of a local body that help bring about strength to the church. Now, I say that with that condition, that we're trusting in and relying on Jesus and his grace for us. That's the only way we can be a strong uh, member to be a strong church. Okay? So, I, I bring this to your attention. Um, I don't think we'd have many volunteers for this, maybe in some of the young people, but uh, how many could come up here and do a, a, a challenge to challenge the other guy to how many uh, burpees you can do? How many burpees can you do on the, on the platform here? You know, And it's, uh, some of you older people, it's not just burping with your mouth. It's actual physical exercise that after like two of them for me, I'm out of breath. And I know the Beeheimers can do burpees, right? The Beeheimers are into burpees because they work out and do this. It's exercise for the core. That's what it's about. It's just about your core. And we don't like doing exercises for the core because... Never mind. (laughs) I get flabby. I get weak. And you know what happens if I start getting weak with the core? I start having back aches. Rochelle tells me, hey, you must have messed up your back because I'm walking around the office like a crooked old man. Why? Because I wasn't doing my sit-ups or I wasn't doing my burpees. I wasn't doing something with the core of my body. So with that thought in mind, We're going to do some spiritual burpees today. And we want to major on that in our lives because you know why? That's what will make you into a stronger member. And when I have a strong left hand, because I tend to be left-handed, but I'm also mixed up in my life and I can do things right-handed too. I want a strong right arm and a strong left arm. You know, I, I I want that balance in my body. Okay, and so in your body, same thing. In our 
that's why that's the beauty of Jesus in giving us the picture of the body as his as his church. We want a strong body. And we've got a strong head, Jesus. We've got a strong and mighty Savior, an all-sufficient Savior. And always remember that. We need to be brought to that truth over and over and over again, that He is strong and mighty. He's not overwhelmed by anything. He's not surprised by anything. He is a strong and mighty Savior. And all too often, we minimize Him. We limit Him. And so we want to magnify Him because He's already great and mighty. He's already all-sufficient. He doesn't need to be added to. His work is perfect. And He is perfect. And so He's a mighty Savior. He's the head of the body, the church. And we want to walk along because the Bible says walk in faith Walk in the Spirit. Walk in God's way. So let's do that. And let's work on these kind of these core exercises. You know, we just finished the book of 1 Timothy. And in the book of 1 Timothy, it highlights sound doctrine numerous times. Paul's concerned about that. That the church, he was writing, Paul was writing to Timothy. Timothy, a pastor, excuse me, a pastor. at Ephesus, and he was encouraging Timothy about maintaining sound doctrine. Okay? So, this is what we're wanting to, you know, deal with, is we want to be a strong church. We want to have members who are working on the core, spiritually speaking, relying on Christ, taking in the Word of God. This is going to be a healthy habit for us. That's why I titled the message, Healthy Habits, Growth in Spiritual Disciplines. And so, we want to take a look at the book, or at Acts chapter 2. This is so basic. Acts chapter 2, please turn there. Do you know, (laughs) if you're holding your Bible... You're holding the most popular book in the world ever. Ever. Translated into more languages than any other book. And it's interesting that I I didn't go looking for it or researching it, but I, I just wonder how many Bibles are in the average American home. What? Six to 12 probably? I don't know. That's Maybe that's... A small number. There's all sorts of Bibles in your home. We got Bibles here at our church, in our library. We have Bibles left and forgotten. You know, Bibles are really kind of everywhere. But what's the problem? Am I hiding? Am I reading it, learning it, and hiding it in my heart? And see, that's the start of good, strong, healthy members and a good, strong, healthy church. When you and I follow through on what the Bible's giving us. Now, Acts chapter 2 tells us the early church, the first church, 
what they were devoted to and dedicated to. Many of you are so, you're so familiar with this, but Acts chapter 2, looking at verse 42. And they, all these believers, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Stop right there. That's really the basis of the message this morning. That's what we're going to talk about. The believers were continually devoted to the Word of God, to the apostles' teaching. But what I want you to notice, it's important to notice the build-up to this in Acts chapter 2. Okay? The day of Pentecost hit, verses 1 through 4. The Holy Spirit came as a mighty rushing wind. Isn't that cool? You know, some of you, you've been up like to uh, the mountains up around Lake Tahoe. And when a mighty rushing wind comes along, whoa, you go, whoa, that was something, wasn't it? And you can see it in the trees and the trees are, you know, bending and all. The power and the influence and the persuasion of that wind. And the Holy Spirit was described as a mighty rushing wind. Powerful. But notice what followed in verses 14. Chapter 2, verse 14 through 36. Here's Peter's sermon. Peter started preaching. Taking advantage of this situation and he started preaching. Okay? Calling people to faith in Christ. To repent. And then verses 37, chapter 2, verse 37, starting there. Now, when they heard this, they were, what? Pierced to the heart. What did they just hear? They heard the word of God being preached. And they were pierced to the heart. What's another way to state that? They were, there's conviction that came to their hearts. They knew they were, what? Guilty. That's one of the first things I remember when I heard the word taught and explained. I felt guilty. I was pierced to the heart. Praise God, I didn't walk away. Uh, You know, God was drawing me to himself and the gospel was given. And my heart, having been under conviction, responded to the offer of the gospel. Jesus saved me. Praise God. Have you been saved? Have you come under the conviction of a holy God and His message? If not, you're playing a game and you're playing around with God and you don't play around with God. Don't play the game of religiosity or churchianity. Don't play that game. It's one of those features that you will... Keep playing a game and be deceived that you are right with God and you're not right with God and you will fall short of heaven. You will fall short of the glory of God thinking that, oh, I'm, I'm a good person. Don't get caught in that lie, my friend. You need to come under, the, here's the, the teaching of the word, so that there'll be conviction of sin, so that you'll run to Jesus for His shelter. Run to Him for refuge from the coming wrath of God. And it's important that we start at home with this message because we have many people within our walls right here who think they're all right with God, who think, hey, I'm good enough. Or I grew up in the church, so I'm okay. 
Don't get deceived. Make sure. Ask God. Continue to humble yourself before Him, saying, God, show me your truth. So, the response of the audience was given to us here. And then it says that those who had, in verse 41, look at chapter 2, 41, then those who had received his word, what? They received his word. The word it was received and welcomed. And thus they were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Now, it says about, and other places it doesn't explain, but we believe that this concept of membership is kind of floating under the surface. It's not commanded. Thou shalt become a member. It's not commanded. But it's there. You can sense it because there's this business of accountability, of leadership bringing forth uh, discipline on some of its members. Concern in those ways shows that this business of membership is really, it's there although it's not stated specifically. So, it builds to this point of Acts 2.42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. So this is our first take on what members of the church were all about. They were all about the apostles' teaching. Now we can gain from that, here's the, the word of God. It's what we would say, oh, these are like, here's a birthmark of what a member is like. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. Okay? So, number one in your outline is devotion to the Word of God. Devotion to the Word of God. Now, we must understand the force behind this word, continually devoted. Okay? It was they attended the idea being attended constantly. They attended constantly to it. They were devoted. They were adherents to it. They, uh, to be steadfastly attentive to it. To continue all the time in a place. To persevere and not to faint. To be, constant, to be in constant readiness. That's the idea behind the word continually devoted. You think that was like once a week on Sundays? Do you? No. And see, now, this is not the reason why the church was so strong because, oh, these people are so, uh, so devoted to the Word of God. That's not why it was strong. It was strong and it spread because of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit working in the powerful way that God worked in the early church. But listen, we must be doing it ourselves. We must be following this pattern ourselves, individually and corporately. And I'm talking to you in both ways. First of all, individually, you and I must be continually devoting ourselves to God's Word. Okay? Now, this idea breaks down into these four uh, sub-points the teaching of Jesus. Okay? The teaching of Jesus. What Jesus taught. Um, Jesus opened his mouth 
in, and he started teaching. That's what the Bible records and tells us. Matthew chapter 5. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, okay? And then at the end of his earthly ministry, it's recorded in Luke 24. Just mark the reference down. Luke 24, 44. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. This is Jesus talking. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. What did he just do there? He summarized the Old Testament, right? He said, must be fulfilled. And that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Listen, if you're trying to do it from your experience, you're doing it the wrong way. You need to ask the Lord, open my mind and help me understand the word of God. That's what he did here. Lord, speak to my heart. Lord, open my mind to understand your word. Okay, be talking to the author of the book and ask him for his help in this. Okay, Um, and specifically in regards to teaching, Christ gives us, listen, this is a very important distinction here. In John chapter 5, verse 39 through 40, he says this. He says this to the religious experts. And you search the scriptures. Because you think that in them you have eternal life. You see, this is a concern for us because we search the scriptures. We open the Bible. Okay? But he's saying this. It is they that bear witness of me. Right? It's they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have eternal life. <clears throat> so does that verse suggest we are, or imply, we ought to just say, well, we've got Jesus, we've got the Holy Spirit residing in us, we don't need the Bible. Should we just put the Bible away and just talk about the Holy Spirit and our experiences? Why not? The Holy Spirit is alive in you, right? Let's, let's just do that. You know what, friend? That's what a lot of churches do. They kind of put the Bible on the side and don't really dig into it. We're in danger when we start doing that. But it sounds good. Sounds right on. We're talking about the Lord. But Jesus makes it clear, doesn't he? Saying, you know what? It's the scriptures and you need them. We need them. Thy word is, John 17, thy word is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Okay? So we need the word of God. Also, the apostles' teaching is about the teachings of Jesus, letter B, the testimony about Jesus. What do I mean by that? What's the difference there? The teachings of Jesus ends up surfacing in, here's writings. Writings that Jesus, you know, here's what Jesus said. But now it's the testimony about Jesus. It's the apostles and their experience with Jesus. It just wasn't about anybody. It was the apostles. What's so important about the apostles? Well, it's like they're, they're eyewitnesses. They hung out. Can you imagine? They walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They, they, um, they camped out with Jesus. They camped out with him. They ate with him. They drank with him. Do you think they got to know him and see what he was like? 
in just behind-the-scenes settings? Of course they did. They got to hang out with them for three years. I wonder if we just said randomly choosing a couple of, you know, two people from here, two people from here and here and here. And you go and you just, you go start walking and um, you'll be supported monetarily. But you go start walking and camping out and, and finding your way through northern Nevada. And you, you got to come back in three years. But you know what? After the three years, you're going to know those people. <laughs> You'll know them. See, they didn't have their own little condos out on the Sea of Galilee to go, you know, escape to. They were with Jesus for three years. They spent time with Him. And so their testimony to the new church now was critical. Why? Because a lot of false teaching was popping up. Oh, have you heard the latest new teaching? And the apostles could step in and say, no, that's, that's false teaching. And their word was authoritative. Why? Because they were apostles of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, the testimony about the Lord. All right. Then, letter C, under number one, teachings from the Old Testament. This is another part of the apostles' teaching, was the Old Testament. The Old Testament is referenced. Here's a good study. Look through the book of Acts, start reading through it. Some of you have been reading through it in connect groups. Read through the, old, uh, the, the book of Acts and check out the sermons in the book of Acts and see how many times they referred back to the Old Testament. They're doing it quite often. Acts chapter 2, two. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, Peter referring to Joel, Peter referring to David, Peter referring to Moses, Stephen's message in Acts chapter 7. You know what that is? Here's a, a, a di- display, a demonstration of his knowledge of the Old Testament. And you know what? He didn't have notes. He was on the stage getting ready to be executed and he gave a message from the Old Testament all from his heart and mind and then they stoned him Stephen's message Acts chapter 7 Philip when Philip was transported to help the Ethiopian eunuch what was the Ethiopian eunuch looking at? the latest uh, how to be the best you tape? How to have the best life tape? No. He was reading in Isaiah 53. And Philip came along and was able to help explain to him about this is talking about Jesus. See, the Old Testament is constantly pointing to who? Jesus. Don't look at the Old Testament and say, ah, it's crazy, I can't understand it. Go and ask the author for his help and his instruction in this counsel as you read. Okay? That's it. Right? The early believers learned that Christ was magnified throughout the Old Testament. And they, as a group, did not abandon the Old Testament. You know why I say that? Because some churches say, eh, we don't need to worry about the Old Testament. Let's not, let's not bother with the Old Testament. 
That's what some churches would say. So we want to understand the Old Testament is, is critical for us and very important to us. Letter D, preaching about the cross. Here's what the book of Acts is dealing with. Preaching about the cross. Acts chapter 3, verses 12 through 26. Look at Acts chapter 3, uh, starting verse 13, please. Acts chapter 3, verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified His servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you, talking to the people of Israel, but you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead a fact to which we are witnesses. These people were witnesses of the death and resurrection of Jesus, and then they went and preached about it. Okay? So, very important that the believers were devoted to the Word of God. That's not just a cute little phrase. That's something that we have to rally around. Okay? We want to rally around it. Okay, number two. Next, on the back of your outline, if you want to follow along there, point number two is the priority of the Word of God. And just make sure one letter C is teachings from the Old Testament, one letter D is preaching about the cross. Just want to make sure of that. Number two is the priority of the Word of God. Now, we're, we're in Acts chapter 2 at verse 42. Okay? So here's this statement that they are devoted to the apostles' teaching. And if at any point the time was right to place emphasis on experience, here was the moment. Folks, I I hope you'll pay attention here. We're in a world where experience is elevated above truth. Experience is put up just as high or higher than the truth of God's Word. Objective truth. Experience is lauded as, oh, you've had this experience. Wow. So, you go to the Bible, and how does the... Here, a mighty rushing wind. People are speaking in tongues. Known languages. They're speaking in languages, and people that are traveling into Jerusalem are hearing their own language being spoken by regular old Jews. This is a miracle. And this could have been the moment where we just said, hey, let's devote ourselves to these experiences. We'll be devoted to this experience. Yes, hallelujah. And we want more of the Spirit of God working and showing us all these signs and wonders. They were not taken by that they were taken by being devoted to the word of god the apostles teaching okay and why is it that in our day and age there there appears to be a put down of doctrine a put down of theology oh let's not talk about theology that's not you know no we don't want to actually isn't it true doctrine divides Right? Do you hear that? Maybe you don't. That's, how, that's okay. You don't need to hear that. The idea is that you and I need to be growing 
in the word of God to understand it more and more. You say, well, I've been doing this for 60 some years. I know it. I, I arrived. No, you haven't. You haven't arrived at anything. Here's another day. Let's live by the word of God. Listen to it, hear it, take it in and live by it. Don't get caught with the experiences. Listen, we gravitate towards experiences, towards the miraculous, and there's proof. Look at Matthew 17. Turn there. Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. Any questions there? This is an experience. You can't top this experience. And his garments became white as light. And behold, on top of this, here's Moses and Elijah showing up. And they're talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is so good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll make three tents, tabernacles, right here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Yeah, experience-led. Mountaintop experience. Fantastic. We don't have to go down to those people. Who needs those people down there in the valley floor anyway? Let's just stay here. Have you ever thought that yourself? You know, this is the camp season. We've got family camp going on right now. We've got a junior camp happening next uh, tomorrow. We had high school camp just last week and, and all this. Like, just, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. I want to stay at camp. Some of you are going, no way. I want to go home. <laughs> but you get the idea. We elevate the issue of experience. Okay. And what happened? Peter kind of cowered at what happened next. While he, Peter, was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him! Who showed up with Jesus on that mount? Moses? Elijah? Not just to any old Joes. I mean, yeah, they're old, but they're not just any Joes here, just showing up. This is Moses, representative of the law, and Elijah, representative of the prophets. The law and the prophets show up. Here they are with Jesus. What do some other denominations do? Not even denominations. Other groups that call themselves Christians. They, they elevate what? They elevate priests. They elevate profit. Okay? I use this passage to say, no, no, no. God says, listen to my son. I'm well pleased in him. And I say that because there's all sorts of stuff that you and I have calling to us. Go and listen to this. Listen to that. Listen to this. All sorts of voices of the truth coming forth. And we need to be careful. We need to be discerning. Because some are deceived. And we don't want to be deceived in it. Now, with that reference, Matthew 17, take your Bible and turn over to Second Peter. Here's the clincher for it. Second Peter. After Hebrews, 
You'll hit 1 Peter, then 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Here's a clear connection to this experiential thing. Look at 2 Peter 1, 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we... Follow this thinking. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty for when he received honor and glory from God the Father. Such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory, God the Father. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And he could have put himself forth as, hey, and I'm the top dog. I'm better than Paul. I'm better than the other guys because I was with him on that mountaintop and I heard him. I experienced this. But what is his conclusion? Look at verse 19. Here's his conclusion. So we have the experience. No. We have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention. What? As to a lamp shining in a dark place until the morning star or until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But first, but know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will but men moved by the holy spirit spoke from god there's the explanation of why we say the bible is inspired men were moved by the holy spirit to write down what god the spirit wanted to write down and we have inspiration now from prior that's the priority the priority of the word of god is over and above the priority or the issue of experience. We need to go to the Word. Number three, descriptions for the Word of God. And this is, again, I I didn't fill it in in your outline, but I want you to track along with this. When you read through the Word of God, you, you come to find descriptions of the Word of God. What's one of the first things that comes to mind? Let's just take a, a bit of an audience response here. Uh, the Word of God is like a... A what? The bread of life. Eat it. What else? Come on. A lamp unto my feet. Turn the lamp on and use it. Why? It guides you. You're in a dark place. We just read it. Any others? Huh? A sword. Now, here we go. A sword. It's not just that it's the the soldier's weapon, but the actual sword is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing. And it's not to pierce... Oh, let me take my sword and... I'm going to get you Christians here. It's to really... It ought to pierce my own heart. Discern, a discerner between the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Get the sword out. And we, I love it, you know, the little New Testament pocket versions. They're the, the dagger. There you go. Okay. Okay, so a light, a lamp. Um, it's the bread of life. To add to what Simi said, it's the milk and the meat. The milk nourishes. The meat strengthens, right? James says, what does James, the letter of James tell us? That the word of God is like a, 
a mirror. You look into it and you see all the, yeah, all the stuff that's on your face. And along with that, Paul says that the word of God in Ephesians 5 is like, what? You remember? When you see yourself in the mirror and you see the, you know, here's the sleep and the yuck, uh, the drool or whatever, that, all that. Now, what do you go to next? In your life, you go to the water, clean it off. And the, the word is like water to wash the soul. That's what the word of God is like. You know what else? Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. Saying that the word of God is like a fire to warm the heart. But it's also a hammer. You know what? The word of God is a hammer. And what does a hammer do? Um, I use a hammer a lot on the ice bag. (laughs) Break up the ice, you know. And Jeremiah 23 says it breaks up the rocks. Hardness. The Word of God wants to break up the hardness in your heart. Okay? Then, it's a seed. Within the seed is what? Come on. Life. You go plant the seed and you expect there's a tomato plant to grow up. Somebody was talking about a little question from a little child. I I can't remember who it was now, but... Why do... Why do we not have seeds for weeds? <laughs> Who was that? I can't remember. Oh, it was Karen Duncan's grandchild. Why, why don't we have, you know, why don't we plant seeds and, and then there's weeds? There's the opportunity. Do you know what the answer is, class? Genesis chapter 3, it's the curse. There's a good lesson. It's just, here it is, the curse. You know what else? The seed then not only has life within it, but then it grows and it bears fruit. Matthew 13 and James 1, 18. Then we've got to keep moving. It's sweeter than what? Honey. Psalm 19. It's more precious than all the gold and silver. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 8. Okay? So, descriptions of the Word of God. Great study. Great way to talk with your children about the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God. Finally, number four is the application of the Word of God. Here's where we're at, everybody. This is where we come to. And we keep coming back to this. Apply it, apply it, apply it. I thought I'd just say apply about a hundred times to you and me. (laughs) Because that's what we need. And tomorrow, I want to hear you. I want to have you hearing me. Apply, 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 apply. Here's the thing. (laughs) When we talk about application, we just don't, a lot of times we just don't get it. And (laughs) there's not a day, I don't think there's a day that you miss dressing. You wake up and you get dressed. I don't see any objections to that. And this is the point. Physically speaking, you apply all the time. You didn't wake up this morning and stick your finger in the electrical socket, did you? Because why? You understand that that's not good for you. You applied... Science is applied here. You didn't go... um, 
hold your head in the bathtub or in the toilet water for five minutes. That you, it just doesn't work. You apply good things. You get dressed. You take care of yourself. You eat. You drink. You are applying all the time. Are we with the word of God? That's the key. That's the message. That's the big thing, is that I am a doer of the word, not just a hearer. And what does the hearer do? They deceive themselves. The hearer just deceives himself. James chapter 1, verse 22. So you get dressed, you get fed, you get going with the day, you get food and drink, you get some rest at the end of the day, and then you start over and you get going again. And so it is in, in, with the Word of God. Let's get going with it and apply it to our lives. This is God's will for your life. Don't merely file it away in your brain as good data, as good information. Apply it. Put it into action. Intake, outtake, or input, output. <laughs> that is what it's all about. That little children's song that we sing. So we say, listen, we say that we believe that the word of God is our bread of life. It's our food. It's our milk. It's our meat. Do, so do we eat it and do we consume it? We believe it's like our armor. It's our arsenal, the sword. Do we put it on? Do we use it when we face battle? Are we doing that? The word describes Christ's righteousness as the pure white robe. Are we wearing it? Think of that. The righteousness of Christ. Are we dressed in that? There's a positional issue to that. Yes, all Christians are. But a practical part of it is, are you walking in His righteousness? So, don't be found naked and ashamed when it comes to spiritual truth. Don't be found naked and ashamed. Be in the Word of God. The Word of God is where we hear from God. The Word of God is how we meet with... It's got how we meet with Him. It's how we learn more of who He is and what He's done. And it's where we are reminded and refreshed to keep walking in in the way that He's given to us. And Colossians 3.16, mark it down. Let the Word of Christ, what? Richly dwell within you. Okay, so we're going to go to our communion time now. And to be thinking about this, the Word of God, are we devoted to reading, learning, and treasuring it? Or are we just a church that kind of plays the, the game? Do we, does the Word of God receive priority over experiences? And so therefore, maintain that, folks. Does the Word of God receive priority over experiences? Come on, we need to be there in that way. Um, is there daily exposure of it into your heart and mind? Can you say, I love Jesus and mean it? Then if that's the case, we go to understand what Jesus said in John 14. And we want to read this. Listen to it. He says, He who has my commandments and keeps them. He it is who loves me 
And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. Folks, it comes down to obedience. Love and obedience. And I pray that we, as a church, if you're considering joining and becoming a member, that you're going to say, yep, this is what I'm committed to. Not just to throw up and say, hey, you committed to the Bible? Yep. Well, let's, let's demonstrate it. And let's encourage one another about demonstrating it in our lives. Okay. Let's pray and um, then we'll have our time in communion. Lord, we, we are very, very needy people. We, we need your help and your strength. We need your grace. We want to give you thanks that um, you are all sufficient. And we pray that we would redirect our thoughts and our, our practices and our patterns of living to come under your hand of blessing. Lord, you say that it's, it's critical that we humble ourselves before you. As we do that, you pour out your grace to us. Guide and direct in our communion time. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for uh, its truth and its cutting into our hearts and its comforting our hearts in times of difficulty and its promises. Thank you, Lord, for how good you are. Do your good work here. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.